Good afternoon, everyone. If it's Tuesday at three and you're hearing my voice, you must be on Voices from the Front Lines, and it truly is Voices from the Front Lines. Uh, in our last show, we spoke uh, with organizers on the front lines about domestic workers, and this week we are speaking to two folks. One, I will be talking in the first part of the show about our upcoming rally this Thursday. It's going to be an important rally on free public transportation and protecting the rights of Black. Uh, bus riders. And in the second half of the show, Eric will be speaking with Alan Minsky on, you know, in my opinion, a very devastating federal and electoral scene going on in the nation today. Um, I think we're deeply heartbreaking that uh, Ruth RGB, I keep uh, wanting to say RGB, Ruth <laughs> Ginsburg, uh, uh, just passed away and that Trump is already moving to fill her seat with another Republican. And so it's going to be a really heartbreaking situation. Um, but let's first talk about this rally. So as you know, the Bus Riders Union has been fighting for 25 years uh, around transit racism. Um, and in the late year, you know, this has been a really traumatic year, but you know, we've seen a lot of very big breakthroughs this year, um, and even at the end of last year. At the end of last year, the LAUSD um, actually went to Metro to urge them to study free public transportation for all students. And so it was really surprising, and it was really beautiful to see Monica Garcia, Jackie Goldberg, um, and the Superintendent Butner actually go speak to the Metro and even say some of our points saying that many of our LAUSD students are homeless and can't even afford to live and can't afford rent. And so how are you expecting them to afford the fares, right? And so that was one breakthrough. The other breakthrough that's going on is that the Metro is now trying to study what it would mean to implement free public transportation for everyone. Um, and, you know, I don't want to be boastful, but a lot of that is due to our work. We sent, we've been in contact with the Metro and sent plenty of letters. Um, and it's both bittersweet to hear the Metro using some of our language saying, yeah, a lot of people are homeless and there's a pandemic and a lot of people are unemployed. And how can we expect them to, after the pandemic and even during the pandemic, pay a fare that they can't afford, that they don't have jobs for, right? Uh, so that's the second thing. The third thing that's going on is that there is this project called the Next Gen Project. And, you know, the the interesting relationship between the Bus Riders Union and the Metro is that it is a real relationship that requires unity, struggle, unity. So we're unifying on free public transportation. But we do want to struggle with them on this project, the Next Gen Project. We are calling it the Next Gentrification Project. 
And what's going on is that Metro is restudying the bus system. And in restudying it, they are passing a budget or not passing a budget this Thursday at the MTA board to consider a 20% service cut. And much of that service cut would be cutting the rapid services, um, especially in South LA. So anyone in South LA who rides the 740, the 710, the 733, the 704, um, and even shortening and limiting the hours on the most used bus uh, in this side of the United States, the 720 on Wilshire, um, most of those services are going to be cut if they pass this budget this Thursday. So we've been in this fight um, for 10 or 15 years, I'm sorry, 25 years, um, and we're hosting a rally and a press conference this Thursday at the MTA board. The address is One Gateway Plaza, and we'll be meeting there at 830 um, and we're working with the Metro Board so that you can actually come to the rally and put in your public comment right there. Um, we're doing a lot of very interesting things, but the main, the one thing I do want to say about this press conference is that it is going to be safe. We do ask that you come and wear your mask. It is a requirement, um, and we'll be definitely practicing uh, social distancing. Um, and you know, this rally is going to be a real culmination of our work in many ways. Um, we are finally seeing free public transportation. And, you know, just because they're studying, it doesn't mean they're going to pass it. But for me and for us, I think we're positively, pre uh, sorry, positively predisposed that they will implement free public transportation. The problem is we want free public transportation on a good system, not a terrible system that's cut in half, right? So we want to double the service and even triple the service. Um, the the last piece I'll say, which is the fight that we've been fighting for, is that you know all of these different attacks and these different things that are happening at the metro has to be seen as part of the black movement and attacks against the black community, right? And so when they cut service and when they raise fares. Um, given that many of the people that are on public transportation are receiving, uh, are black people receiving tickets and arrests, more than 50% of the tickets and arrests, and only 18% of the ridership, only 9% of the population, right? What that says is that almost every black person is almost expected to receive two tickets uh, per year on the metro, uh, almost guaranteed, right? And so this rally really will be, you know, focused on the black community and focused on what we're calling saving the black community and saving what's left of the black community. So it's going to be really important for you to come out. It's going to be really important for you to put in a public comment that day. Um, it's going to be really important for you to stand up for the black community. And again, it'll be 9 a.m. at the Metro Board, One Gateway Plaza in downtown, right behind Union Station. Thanks, Channing. This is Eric Mann, co-host with Channing. Great opening. Um, yeah, the thing I want to talk to you all about building on what Channing just said is, you know, the role again of call and response. Like we're saying, please come. We don't know who's out there. It's just even when you call in at 818-985-5735, if we're lucky, we get seven or eight callers. I mean, which is great. That's a lot of callers. 
but you know, once a long, long time ago, uh, many years ago on Pacifica, when I just started the Strategy Center, there was a guy named Robert Foxworth, and he was back then, he was on one of the, I think it was Knott's Landing, or one of the kind of our soap operas on TV, and uh, or something like that. And he was a very progressive guy, radical guy. He was uh, like Ed Asner at, in his time. So they had me on the show, and I was talking about the Strategy Center when the Strategy Center barely existed, except in my mind, but it did exist. And uh, I was telling about our work and asking people to support us. I have no idea how I got a call. They didn't have email back then, or maybe they did. But anyway, I get a call, and this guy says, listen, I'm a graduate student at Rice University, I think in Houston, and I hate graduate school, and I heard what you had to say, and I was on my bike or something listening to it, and uh, can I come volunteer with you? So we talked to the guy, and we read it and stuff, and we said, oh, come on up and see what's going on. So his name turned out to be Jeff Ray, and then he became Jeff Ramsey Ray when he married Kikonza Ramsey. So with the Strategy Center for over 20 years. So that's what listeners supported and listener organizing radio is supposed to be for me. You do a show, and you get somebody who volunteers their life with you. That's right. But we don't get enough of that, folks. How can I break it to you? Now, one reason is because I wish I knew I could look at each of you separately so a lot of you would be saying, yeah, I'm eating a sandwich right now. I just, or I love the show, but whatever. Um, so we need more help from you all. There's a lot of asks right now. And part of my commentary, we're going to have Alan Minsky on at 3.30, great guy, who many of you know as the former program director at KPFK for many, many, many years. And uh, he's now the executive director of Progressive Democrats of America, which is terrific. And I was just talking to him last night, and I'm going to come back to that. And I was asking his advice on stuff. And I said, hey, Alan, why don't you come and be a guest? Well, I should say, Channing said, hey, did you ask Alan to be a guest? And I went, duh, I forgot. So anyway, he's going to be on at 3.30. And we're going to talk about all the different ways that people are getting involved in the fight to defeat Donald Trump. This is different groups. He's going to give you a sort of a menu of all the different progressive groups. But here's the point. Those groups are attracting large numbers of people, the Sunrise Movement, Justice Democrats, Progressive Democrats of America, uh, Democratic Socialists of America, uh, Our Revolution, but the Bus Riders Union is not. We are not track, attracting thousands and thousands and millions of people who give thousands and millions of dollars to defeat Donald Trump, even though we have lived under Donald Trump in LA our whole lives, whether it's, and I'm serious, whether it's the Demo, mainly the Democrats. We lived under the LAPD our whole lives, and most of you have not really given a damn. Now, Donald Trump is... No question, and I mean it in the most serious way, a fascist, a very profoundly dangerous fascist. I am going to give commentary. I am on the rise of the right, 
the rise, the terrible threat that Trump presents, and the need for a resistance. And so Channing Martinez is saying to you, there's a chance for a specific resistance, which is, can you show up at 8.30, uh, not tomorrow, but Thursday morning, the 24th, one Gateway Plaza, which is really, if you know where Union Station is, which is Alameda and Cesar Chavez, it's right behind it on a street called Vignes. It's a very nice courtyard. It's named after Nick Patsouris, who did nothing to help bus riders, but that's why he he helped <laughs> to build all the rail projects, and that's why he got a thing named after him. You know, they don't have the Della Bonner Plaza. Or one day. One day. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. One day, well, sorry, Nick, if you're still alive, well, it's going to be the Della Bonner Project. In fact, we'll call it that. We'll put sign up Thursday. That's right. Isn't that right? Yeah. We'll put it over Nick. And we'll have pictures of Della. Thanks, Janet. That was great. So we just invented here the Della Bonner Project. The sister did die about two years ago after being one of the truly great civil rights leaders. So we need your help. You get it? Every time you're on Voices, this is really a call to action show. So we need you to come Thursday and show up. Wouldn't it be cool if five of you just woke up in the morning and came up to Channing and me and said, hey, guess what? I'm a Voices listener. I'm not a normal supporter of the bus rides union. It is COVID. But in the middle of COVID, you are fighting for free transportation. In the middle of a closed-up MTA, but it's always boarded up. Whether the door is open or closed, it's always boarded up to us in many ways. It would mean a lot if you came. It would also mean a lot if you uh, contributed to KPFK. Now, it's going to be complicated, so I want to go to the phones a little bit at the end of the show. But right now, if you call 818-985-5735, D'Angelo, is it correct that it just sort of automatically goes to the uh, answering service and we don't pick up? Is that correct? All right, so if you call 818-985-5735 between now and 345, it's going to go directly to a, some kind of a automated way to, to get your contribution. The reason this is important is next week starts the official fund drive. I get these letters from Anyel Fields, our general manager, and uh, Kevin Fleming, our program director. Both of them are doing a great job. There's always such a sense of almost terror in the emails to us fear like we have to raise four hundred thousand dollars we have to raise it i don't like how I, it's not fair how they live it's not it really isn't it's not fair that they live in such fear that the program that the uh fund drive it's not about hey i got a great idea let's double the listenership let's put on some more staff let's fix up the station it's always about can we just break even Michael Bloomberg has just given over $100 million to uh, Biden. If he can, I'll give half a billion dollars if he's legally under, you know, uh, under the new Supreme Court ruling. The strategy center needs money, but very frankly, we're never in trouble. Isn't that amazing? 
30 years, we raise our money. The people who support us give us the money. We are never in trouble of failing. We always can focus on succeeding and succeeding more. And I still feel tremendous pressure to make that money. Don't get me wrong. It just doesn't come in. Mm -hmm. But every year, it comes in. Every year, my accountant says to me, Eric, I said I made another miracle. She said, Eric, come on. You always make it. Yeah, but I always make it because I'm afraid. So, so I take that back. Anybody raising money is raising money out of fear. Fear of failure, fear of not getting the money. But it's not the same as terror of not getting the money if you're following us. Now, there's a theme to this. So 818-985-5735. It would be cool if you gave some money today. We're going to do the fund drive starting next Tuesday. And one thing that's been very good is we've been able to run regularly scheduled programming throughout the fund drive. So we're going to, I'll come up with something good for next week. But we're going to keep asking you to give money. I don't mind fund drives. If I can say 818-985-5735, we need the money. And you say, sure, Eric, sure, Channing, very cool. And you go on the phone and you give us the money. Then we go on to talk about Paul Robeson. We go talk about Trump. We could talk about Biden. We talk about the environment. We talk about the organizing work we do. And we can keep the programmatic thrust. We can keep the narrative thrust going of the shows. So I like the present format better, which is we're not doing programming and then here's the premium, and let's talk about the premium for an hour. I don't like that. So if we don't like that, and if we want things to be better, what are you going to do? Pause. You've, there have been two asks so far. Here's the quiz. I want to have many more, but what are the two asks? Got it? Got it? All right, I'll start with the one that's right in front of your face. Call 818-985-5735 and give money to KPFK. What's the second one? Right. Thursday morning at 8.30, you're going to show up at the MTA board, and we're going to have a very cool rally. We're buying all kinds of interesting equipment with money that we got from people who give us money. We're going to have a nice stage. We're going to have props. I think Bridget and I are going to be chanting, and Barbara will probably be the host of the rally, and Bridget and I will be sort of the sideline reporters with our handheld mics talking to people, including you, perhaps. Just so it won't just be speaker and speaker. We'll have some good music. We'll figure it out. It'll be a nice press conference, rally. Uh, and then, oh, and I have a filmmaker named Victoria Stein who's coming. And she's really good, and she's going to shoot stuff. So the value there is we're going to do a video, a, a really beautiful kind of five-minute video. And then we have Akili Walker, who's going to be working with us on social media. And we're going to do stuff on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And the point is, in the modern day, you do an event, and then you publicize the event. So where is this all going? I, I do have a theme which is the role of alternate institutions in the age of fascism. Mm -hmm. The first thing I want you to understand is fascism is now, Trump has phenomenal will. If only Obama had one-tenth of the will that Trump had, 
He had eight years in office, folks. He had a majority in, in the Senate for, for two of the years. What Trump is doing with his fascist will should scare the hell out of all of us. For those who think that electing Biden is the best way to defeat Trump, obviously give it your all. Give it your all, if that's what you believe. You understand I cannot endorse candidates on this show. If you think that's what's needed, and Alan Minsky is going to talk about what he thinks is needed, do it with every way you can. But here's the thing. If Donald Trump is defeated, that is not going to disarm all these crazy white people with guns. If Donald Trump is defeated, it's not going to defeat the LAPD. It's not going to defeat the white vigilantes. It's not going to defeat the fascists who are running wild all over the United States. But it will hopefully create some better conditions to reduce the fascists because the fascists are here already. The fascists are here if Obama is president or the fascists are here if Trump is president. That difference is in one case, the president is at least hopefully remotely anti-fascist, and the other case, the president is a fascist. This is a big difference, if you catch my point. I am not in any way equating it. I'm making a different point. The concept that vote no on Trump because there'll be fascism misunderstands the whole history of the United States, which is a white settler state based on a racial fascism. That's right. Having said that, Yes, when Johnson passes a civil rights bill, when there is, in fact, uh, federal marshals going into the South to enforce civil rights acts, that is a good thing. When there are consent decrees against the MTA, which we were the beneficiary of, that is a good thing. But that federal civil rights law has been defeated now. And if Biden is elected, we have to push for new civil rights legislation. But here is the point. What do you got going? All these stupid emails I'm getting. I'm sorry from every Democratic Party group. Elect this guy. Elect that guy. Elect this guy. Elect that guy. Okay, I get it. But the same people do not give a damn, have not given a damn about the bus riders. You have not given a damn. Yes, again, again, the complexity is I wish them well. The The other part is they are contributing to fascism at the same time as they're fighting it. Because they don't back the bus riders union. They don't back Black Lives Matter. They don't back Push LA and Brother Sun Cells. We don't even see these people when we're in battle with the LAPD. So let me make my point clear. One, there is a united front against fascism in which the strategy center is an active participant. We do not think all the forces are equal. This election is one of the most important turning points in U.S. history, which is, will an existing fascist who may have six votes on the Supreme Court, even if he's defeated, and if he's out of power, will still be leading a fascist movement? Will that fascist be defeated at the ballot box at least? That will not stay the hand of the fascists, because that's not how they work. 
but will potentially create better conditions in our ongoing, continuing fight against fascism in this country. The stakes are enormously high. On the other hand, or on the same hand, you can't build the United Front against fascism without KPFK. You can't build the United Front against fascism without doubling the budget of KPFK. You can't build the United Front against fascism without doubling the budget of the bus rise union. You can't build an effective one without you showing up Thursday at 8.30. The point is there are institutions of resistance on the ground that are not simply in the electoral arena. Those institutions are underfunded, undersupported, and a lot of it falls on you. So 818-985-5735. If you are critical of Donald Trump, if you think there's a fascist danger in this country, do not underfund your own radio station. That's one of the greatest anti-fascist voices in the city and needs your help. 818-985-5735. Now, if they want to reach the Strategy Center before Thursday to talk to us, to reach us, to get involved, how do they do it? You can call right now the Strategy and Soul Movement Center, and that number is 323-903-6238. And as always, we're always looking at our emails, especially nowadays. I mean, there's requests coming in left and right. And you can email info at thestrategycenter.org, and we will answer you in the same day. Now, on the phone, are there people there all the time? Because we're both at the Strategy Center Movement Center, then we're out, then we have the other. So are you saying basically they're going to call, they'll get a message, most likely. Is that correct, or is someone there right now? Uh, typically during the day before uh, 5 o'clock, we are there except for Mondays. Um, and if you get a message, we typically call back the next day. We will definitely call back the next day, meaning tomorrow, okay? You got that? So say the phone number again, Jenny, please. So it's three, and we do have someone there to pick up the phone right now. So good, it's 323 903 6238. 323 903 6238. Is Bridget there? Bridget is there. Oh, you're going to get to talk to Bridget Amaya, who's one of the best organizers at 20 years old, who we've trained since she's 15, and she is the lead organizer. And this voice you heard is Jenny Martinez, the director of organizing at the Strategy Center. Pretty cool. They're running the work right now, along with Barbara Lott Holland, our associate director, and along with our interns and our members, and we're growing. So we need your help. Info at the Strategy Center. I'm almost going to get it. I'll, I'll learn the number. Say it one more time. 323, three, I got that part. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 323 903 6238. 903 6238. That is correct. 323 903 6238. So my short term memory is working, except for not saying memory correctly. All right, folks, you get it? Do something. You get it? Do something. You get it? Okay. So the answer is, if you want to build a united front against fascism, do a lot. That's I'm um, listen to the 41 minutes speech by Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Truly stirring, stirring. I mean, one of the truly great future figures. Another reason to get involved. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break, D'Angelo. We're going to come back. 
with Alan Minsky, who was the formerly the uh, station manager at, uh, I'm sorry, the program director, and he's now the executive director of Progressive Democrats of America. Uh, D'Angelo, do you have his phone and is he on the line yet? I got a thumbs up on both cases. Thank you. We'll take a break and we'll be right back with Alan Minsky. This is Elliot Gould, and you're listening to KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles and 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. Station Manager Angel Fields, this is Jim Lafferty, host of the Lawyers Guild Show, inviting you to join me on the show this Wednesday at 2 p.m. Are you up for it? Oh, looking forward to it, Jim. Well, remember, after I pepper you with some questions about our station's health and the future of our station, I'm going to open up our phone line so our listeners can call in and quiz you, too. I'm looking forward to the conversation, Jim. Should be a good one. As I recollect, you were once the interim general manager at one point. <laughs> I was indeed. Well, then it's a date, Danielle. It's a date. I'll start talking to you at 2 o'clock this Wednesday on the Lawyer's Guild Show right here on fiercely independent KPFK Radio. everybody, this is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. I'm very happy to be talking to Alan Minsky, the Executive Director of Progressive Democrats of America. Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Eric. It's great to join you. Um, obviously, it's turbulent times, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's what we have and uh, got to do what we can to make it better. Yeah, well, hold on. Uh, uh, you know, Alan, you were the uh, program director right, at KPFK for how many years? Um, nine years. 
you were the first person who was an interim program director for nine years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like an interim president, you know, like Allende or something like that, you know. Oh, uh, I think I lasted longer than I did. <laughs> Oh, I want to say before we get to Alan's specific, uh, tremendous appreciation when we, you know, the voices from the front lines exist because of Alan Ninsky. Uh, I met him. I, I've been a guest. I've been on a guest on many shows. And Alan said, why don't you do a show? He said, but I also want to make sure we get some young people and, you know, multiracial group. And I said, sounds great. The strategy center does that. So we had a voices. I was, you could say, the primary lead host, but we had Tammy Banglu, Manuel Criollo, and Damon Azale, later Damon Azale Rojas. And the four of us would be alternate hosts. And then it reached the point where we really needed a sustained host again, so I took it over, and now we have Channing Martinez as the co-host. And uh, we've come a long way, and I just want to thank you, Alan, for the belief in us. And uh, honestly, truly, we would not be here without your support. Well, you know, Eric, it was, it was good. this goes back to the time when I was um, actually was tasked with developing a strip of programming in the afternoon uh, by the then general manager and program director, and I was a senior producer. And, you know, it's just uh, looking out at the people whose voices were so important and trenchant inside Southern California and, you know, really uh, both the critique that was brought forward by the Labor Community Strategy Center, the Bus Riders Union, the people who participated in it, uh, their visions, uh, positive vision for society, their critique of the realities in our society was just uh, so spot on. I mean, uh, to me, it was, it was an easy, uh, it was an easy ask, and it was great to see the show develop over the years. And incredible shows, so often, and, and incredibly, again, you know, just a show that never, uh, never, never, ever turns a blind eye to the realities of what we're living through, and with a deep, uh, you know, cr- critical understanding of. Of, of the forces that are at play in society. So it's a great thing to have over the airways in Southern California. It's priceless. Well, thanks, Alan. Just one more frame, and we'll get to this. Is that, you know, just I do agree with that, and one reason I agree with that is because what fun is called Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement-building show, and the good thing about myself, Channing, Tammy, Manuel, is we're organizers first. We go out last Saturday. I had a very chilling experience. I was out on the uh, expo line, you know, at Crenshaw, and we're doing organizing for a rally Thursday morning at 8.30 at the MTA, and I was talking to people, and it was very slow out there. There were no more than I, you know, I talked to maybe 13 or 14 people, all of whom were black. Of the 14 people, three were houseless, and uh, totally coherent, three young men, all black and all men, so we're facing the the hardest level of structural reality. Then I go back to the strategy center and I organize a rally, and then I come on to voices and do my show. So it has a, a crispness to it because we're always in touch with the masses and we're doing our work. So let me segue now into why I had you on and why I'm going to want to have you on more often. Um, today's goal is be we're going to assume that many of our listeners believe there's a need for a united front to defeat Donald Trump. We're not saying what my position is, but that's something our our listeners would be very, very interested in. And we also know, or and here I am, a pretty seriously informed person, and yet I can't 
figure out a lot of the progressive electoral forces, even with a scorecard. So I know the names. I know there's progressive Democrats of America. Is it called the Sunrise Movement? Mm -hmm. Yep. Then there's uh, Justice Democrats. There's also Our Revolution. Um, There's also the Working Families Party. Why don't we start with, there's others, and and as you pointed out, there's, um, uh, well, anyway, the first point is, explain, well, let's, and since you're the executive director, start with what exactly are progressive Democrats of America? What's your mission? What's your role in this in this election? What what are your limits, and what are your strong suits? PDA uh, was started um, following uh, the Democratic National Convention, which John Kerry got the nomination. So what's sort of novel about PDA is among the organizations that you just mentioned, um, they're definitely on the, the far left wing of the Democratic Party, uh, and most of those other organizations are as young as PDA is. Uh, PDA is is the is the oldest organization that you just mentioned. I believe none of them are are anywhere near as old. And so they largely are an outgrowth of the 2016 Bernie Sanders campaign, um, except for the Working Families Party. In fact, one one paradox of PDA was Working Families Party was throughout most of its history really only operated in New York State. It actually was a political party that was functioning in New York State because they have fusion ballot lines in New York, one of the rare states that has those in the United States, and uh, which, of course, the two-party duopoly has always frowned upon. And uh, so PDA did not organize in New York State because the founding executive director sort of had an agreement with Working Families Party that that territory was ceded to WFP. Uh, just recently, WFP's moved out beyond. Uh, so the move past New York State has also been something that's occurred in the after the 2016 Sanders campaign. So PDA, you know, is, is a little different in that it was drawing on people, but not many, not a very large pool of people, but not insignificant of people who had stuck with the Democratic Party or hadn't completely written it off uh, to try to push um, social democratic to democratic socialist uh, politics inside the Democratic Party. Uh, there's definitely some people who were involved in socialist and, and, and you know, Marxist uh, politics in the United States who also joined PDA uh, back at that time. I've learned that since I've been in the organization. And um, but you got to go back to 2004 and remember uh, you know, how how far away the, say, Bernie Sanders' agenda was to the Democratic Party platform, you That's know, during right. the Clinton years and the years that followed. But it was a group that were finally like, enough of this, enough of this. This is not responding to the endemic problems in our society, and PDA was formed. Yeah, also, you could say in a small way, in opposition to Democratic Leadership Council. Oh, yeah, very much so. And today, in today's election, of course, the role of PDA now is, is this is this is one of the questions. What's the relationship of all these different organizations? Exactly. And uh, PDA in 2016, it was the, of course, I was not the executive director at the time. I was at KPFK. Uh, was the sole national organization to draft Bernie Sanders to run for president. And, of course, as progressive Democrats of America, they did so calling upon Sanders to run inside the Democratic Party, which is, of course, a question as the prospect of maybe Bernie Sanders was going to run for president because he was an independent and he was known to be left of the Democratic Party, would he run inside or outside the party? 
of course, PDA in the Run, Bernie Run campaign, which PDA launched uh, before anyone else back in 2014 was calling on him to run as a Democrat. And, and they were in dialogue with Sanders directly, and they proved persuasive. And, um, but PDA is uh, – I don't want to get into the whole thing around 501c4s and, and you know, 501c3s and then federal PACs, but PDA's structure as primarily at the time still a federal PAC um, it's expanded out to have other structures since since 2016. Um, that, because of it being a PAC, was one of the reasons that it was not the heir to the campaign, but something called Our Revolution was formed. And we have a formal partnership with Our Revolution, PDA and Our Revolution. Well, um, take a minute even, there. Even a, I'm sorry, even go, a kind, of division, kind of division of labor that exists, yeah. Well, just to say on a comment, I'm very glad Bernie Sanders chose to run inside the Democratic Party. I'm a, both a critic of the Democratic Party, but I'm, I am a, a registered Democrat. Uh, and uh, the reason is because of Jesse Jackson got me to be a registered Democrat that uh, I was very active in the Jackson campaign, 1984-88. And I do think insurgencies inside the Democratic Party, especially for someone like myself who's worked so much in the black community that's 97% Democrat, is a good thing. So having said that, what are you doing for me lately? Uh, well, first of all, I do want to say that the, our political director is a veteran of both Jackson campaigns. A guy named Steve Cobble uh, remains Great. close to Reverend Jackson. Great. And uh, um, uh, as did the founding executive director, also worked for those two campaigns. Um, and I, I myself, as a young man, was very supportive of both campaigns. Of course. Did some work for them, too. So um, what are we doing now? Well, this is the big thing. In fact, this is a little bit quirky. I literally just got off a call with uh, a guy uh, from a band called Las Cafeteras, who I once saw play at an <laughs> event for the Labor Community Strategy Center. That's and funny Hector as hell. Says, Hector says hello. So right. <laughs> what were we on a call about? We were on a call, and this is uh, this is – no, but this is confidential. So KPFK audience, I'm not telling you. <laughs> but but uh, it was a, it was a something that's a developing project for the organization that's been formed for the purpose of this election called United Against Trump. PDA is a member, of course. Our Revolution is a member. Uh, but the, you know the real the organizations that really have anchored the formation um, are the two groups that come out of the Acorn organization. As that was broken apart and shattered through a right-wing reactionary scheme, right a few years back, um, they, 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 many of the organizations, because they were they were community organizations that made up the Acorn Coalition, and it broke into they eventually sort of settled into two uh, umbrella organizations: one called People's Action, the other called Center for Popular Democracy. Right. And those two organizations have sort of taken the lead, first in convening the People Power for Bernie. And PDA probably has been the third most active organization in this, I'd say, though, you know, maybe others have been just as much. Mijente has been very involved. Sunrise has always been a member. And this was something that in back when Sanders still was going against multiple candidates, Pete Buttigieg even took a jab at People Power for Bernie as a super PAC, which we were not in any way a super PAC. And, um, uh, and there were nine organizations. DSA was a member at the time. Anyway, it evolved. Um, as, as uh, you know, Bernie was uh, separating out from the pack and was in a phase where it was Bernie against the moderates, and then Bernie dropped out, and now we've reformed as something called United Against Trump. It has many more organizations, about 20, 25 organizations actually now, 
Um, and Justice Democrats, by the way, was both in people power for Bernie and still remains a member in this as well. So all these organizations sort of play different roles. Um, it's not as it's not like there isn't overlap. There is overlap. As you can imagine, one of the reasons that the, the membership of organizations has swelled is because now more moderate organizations have signed in now that it's not just explicitly supporting Sanders, but is united against Trump. Right. So the lar- large, more moderate organization, Indivisible, that only came into existence after Trump was elected, not surprisingly, is, of course, a member of United Against Trump, but not that active. The core active organizations are the ones who were involved in People Power for Bernie. And the United Against Trump Activity Roots Action, uh, which is maybe people associate with Norman Solomon and Jeff Cohn, um, they're a participant as well. Um, uh, Black Voters Matter is a participant as well. Um, and, again, there are certain or- other organizations that are members that aren't as active. Most of the ones I've mentioned really outside of Indivisible have been quite active. Working Families Party, of course, is a member. And, and we're all involved right now in the very specific task of trying to persuade progressives that, yes, we're critics of Biden, the day after the election, the criticism begins just as it was ongoing when he hadn't won the nomination and was running against Sanders. If you were for Sanders, you were for Warren, but you knew you weren't for Biden. We're going to have the same attitude towards the Biden administration that we had towards the Biden candidacy at that point, except He'll be president and will be demanding uh, radical progressive change. That's what the society needs. This is a society that is fraught with endemic problems that the political establishment clearly does not address, clearly does not address, from massive wealth inequality, from structural institutional racism, mass incarceration, racist policing, a climate that is being destroyed much more quickly than than almost anybody really thought as we happen. speak as we speak yes and, and so, uh, just for a minute yeah, and, uh, and he, you go ahead eric but you know, neoliberal moderate democrats are not responding to it but donald trump is does in a re-election of donald trump is a true existential crisis for uh, the fabric of american society that we need to have defeated it is part of a racist white supremacist backlash in this country it simply has to be defeated. And so we are the groups that are mobilized and unified, calling upon progressives, calling upon people who see society as it really is, to understand that a first step from where we are right now is defeating Donald Trump. Well, the voice you're hearing is Alan Minsky, the executive director of Progressive Democrats in America. And, you know, Alan, when you first got the job, you weren't executive director. So congratulations on that. Um, really. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of questions I want our listeners to understand. Everything the Strategy strategy Center does, everything Voices does, is getting involved in things. So uh, we urge anybody who listens to anybody, obviously all the people we have on the show are people we think are doing good work. It's your choice as a listener what you want to do. It's our job to make sure that you know how to do it, so let's talk about United Against Trump. Is there, an, is there a website, if, you, if I typed in United Against Trump, is there a coherent website that says this is who we are, get involved this way, and by the way, here are our sub-movements, uh, or if you want to do the Sunrise Movement, you go directly to them. So let's start with that. Does United Against Trump have a phone, a website, in which a person could apply, to which a person could apply? 
I believe so. It was being formed as of, you know, it, this has just come together, and obviously the, all the attendant social crises and also the very late primary season kept a lot of organizations from being um, directly, um, uh, directly engaged with the focus on defeating Trump up until, you know, the Massachusetts primary, for instance, just ended. So we've hired our national coordinator, and we, um, we are getting our website up, and it will be something like unitedagainsttrump.org.com, and there's a way to, to uh, get involved, and we're just building our profile. Uh, and, again, you can obviously contact all the variations, all the, all the lists of organizations that I mentioned uh, themselves. And, uh, again, we really are honing in. in. In the effort to defeat Trump, we're very, very much honing in on the swing states, of course. And we have a set of swing states that the sub-organizations are particularly strong in, and they've chosen to, to focus on five. Um, yeah, I'm always pushing for a sixth, actually, which is North Carolina, uh, in part because PDA is, is strong in North Carolina. But as, as we were all listing the states, we were, you know, it's like one of those polls where you fill out, um, you know, what time can you make the meeting? Right. Whatever, you know, whatever time <laughs> comes out with the, most, with the most entries ends up being the time of the meeting, which is another way to do it. And, and so we were looking at the states to fill out, and North Carolina didn't get enough organizations signing on to it. So they ended up being Florida, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And, of course, with, with, with the, there was, it was very clear that the top three there, and the, rather geographically the top three, uh, the ones that are more northern, were clearly going to have to be part of the focus, even if there was you know, institutional weakness there. Uh, Alan, and, let me uh, ask you a couple of quick questions. And uh, a little shorter on the answer so I can get you more questions back. Um, what about Ohio? Well, let's start. There's Pennsylvania, you said, right? Wisconsin. Um, what was the third in the Northeast? Michigan. Michigan. Is, isn't Ohio up for grabs both ways? Isn't it considered a swing state, is it, or is it considered strongly Biden right now? Which way? How are they perceiving it? No, it's been. It went pretty easily for Trump last time. It's one wow. of the states that has been, in part, because of the shenanigans of the Republican Party and the control of the Secretary of State's office. Right. Ohio, of course, it was the determining state in 2004, but since that time, it has trended red. And we, our list is a defensive list, not an offensive. I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So well, if, if Biden wins, is, is competitive or is winning, Alan, um, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. And if he's winning Ohio, then, then it's assumed that, that things are good. And the states that need to be won um, are. I, I, again, now would include North Carolina. And, and one of the reasons I do want us to see a more engagement in North Carolina is it's one of the – it's one of only two double swing states in that it is a Senate swing state like Arizona and a presidential swing state. And the only two of those are Arizona and North Carolina. And while, just like with Biden, the Senate candidates in um, Arizona and North Carolina – um, the Democratic nom- nominees there are not to our liking as PDA. They're not the candidates we would have wanted to see or the type of Democrats we'd want to see in, in the Senate. They are what we are have right now, and so we, of course, are supporting them, uh, as, is, uh, as is, of course, everybody in the United Against Trump, even if the Senate is not the direct focus of that coalition. Um, and, you know, we all understand that uh, drawing people out to vote against Donald Trump 
will be, of course, a benefit to all Democrats. And, of course, in some places it's great because some of the Democrats who then are benefiting from that are are also very progressive. Well, is there? let me ask you this. This is Eric Mann. You're on VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com, and you're on Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement-building show. You're on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98 Point seven FM in Santa Barbara and streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. Can also go on a terrific website. Really, it's a beautiful website. Voicesfromthefrontlines.com. Uh, if there, you'll go and see if you can register. We put out a, every Tuesday. We put out a coming attraction, usually three or four hours before the show, so you can. Uh, those of us with shorter attention spans, you'll know to get on at three o'clock. So here's a couple of questions. Uh, we know that, you know, there's all these discussion of what Hillary Clinton did wrong and also what an absolutely abominable candidate she was. I think this is a pretty decent set of, I mean, I, you know, uh, let me slow down. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez did a great job of saying, you know, this is not about Joe Biden. This is, she even said, we have some problems with the Dems, <laughs> which is pretty funny. But the question is, is there greater resonance with the Biden-Harris ticket, I hope, than with the uh, uh, Hillary-Kane ticket in in what you're hearing out there? Um, Well, I think, yes. I think, I mean, I hate to say this, but if I'm honest, it has more to do with the fact that people have lived with four years. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is very honest. No, that's absolutely honest. So let me, in the last three minutes, Alan, let me say several things. Um, I, for all the people that want to get involved in calling into swing states, which is to me the highest thing, we're in California where you know it's a predetermined outcome as it is in New York and other places. If you're in California and you want to do phone banking, you want to do outreach into swing states, you said all the groups have agreed on these five states. How does one get involved? Um, well, of course, what the organizations are doing is different than what the uh, individual could do. One thing, of course, they can do is contact us at PDA. My email is alan, alan at pdamerica.org. Or if you even want to go to our phone bank, Maestro, it's Mike Fox, conventional spelling, at pdamerica.org. That's a way to tap into what we're doing and to tap into United Against Trump, which is the coalition of all the organizations we've spoken about. So let me be clear. Alan, this is important because last night you weren't maybe as clear on that. So if you call Mike Fox, he he can... Mike Fox. If you email Mike Fox at pdamerica, we're not not selfish about it. We'll get people phone banking right away, and then we will also make sure they get tied into the campaign of their choosing and you're asking specifically about the Biden campaign. Now, I also don't want to be selfish for United Against Trump or PDA. The other thing to do is simply to reach out to the Biden for President campaign, the Biden-Harris ticket, and to do whatever web researches are necessary to ask how you make calls, uh, you phone bank, into swing states uh, for the Biden-Harris campaign. And what I think you will end up getting is an app that they will send you a list of names that you can call from home. So the technology has made it so that social distancing and safety 
uh, health safety is at a priority, and you should be able to get an app that you'll download to your phone. They will then send a, na a list of names and numbers to the app that you can call. Now, um, I have not done that, and I haven't. I don't know many people who have. That is my understanding of how this is all happening for campaigns across the country, and I'm certain it's the same for Biden and Harris. So well, that is, of course, the best and most direct thing to do, and you will be calling into the state. I don't know if you'll get leaning voters towards Biden or a general list of voters. Who knows what you'll get, um, and you'll have directions as to what message to give, and then you'll have a way of responding on the app that will report back to the campaign. You know, just listen to the voice of Alan Minsky. He's the executive director of Progressive Democrats America, PDA, is it dot .com? Uh, we're dot .org. PDA dot .org. So last thoughts, and thank you, Alan. Just hang for a minute. I mean, two things. Especially in 2008, I had a terrific experience. I worked for Obama for president, and I did a lot of phone banking into swing states. I know I had an impact because the whole group of us did. You're talking to real voters, and these are voters often um, on the fence. And you'll be given some scripts, or you just talk from your heart. You can just say the truth. I'm from California, and I'm calling you because you're in North Carolina or because you're in Ohio, or, or I, you know, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Make up something, folks, but whatever the connection is, you're talking to real people, which is really great. The other thing is, if you're interested in that, they're related to joining us Thursday morning, which is in two days at 8.30 in the morning, call 323-903-6238 and info at thestrategycenter.org. Uh, this is KPFK 90.7. Next week, I'll have even more information on how you can get involved. Alan, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Eric. Take good care, everybody. Thank you, Channing Martinez, for a great opening and all the organizing work you're doing. Thank you, our listeners. I hope you did send some money in. Thank you, Nina Simone, for taking us out. Next Tuesday, we are going to ask for more money, but you can give it now at 818-985-5735. Thank you, D'Angelo Jones, and I'll see you next week. All power to the people. Station Manager, I'm Neil Field. This is Jim Lassie.